Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our true crime podcast deals with sensitive issues, including some that little ears shouldn't hear. Listener discretion is advised. This is Cam. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to Our True Crime Podcast. Hi, I'm Carla. And I'm Michael. And we're Go Postal Podcast, the podcast that is basically a grab bag of fun. Each week we share crazy stories that relate to a theme ranging from Burning Man to prison to zombies. And I give some fun facts of the boobs, booze, and bizarre variety about your favorite places and a slice of hysterical history featuring a new person or era every week. We also welcome the Countess, your tasteful guide to modern culture. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or any podcatcher of your choosing. Auf Wiedersehen. Ciao. It wasn't wasn't even a cool dog, like a Rottweiler. (laughs) It was like, no, a schnauzer almost took me (laughs) off the earth. So, did you drink a lot? Did you uh, do drugs? I mean, what? Yeah, I, yes, to both. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to tell you, I I was an ass. Really? For the bulk of those years. Okay, just like what you mean, arrogant? Arrogant. It was just all about Phil Moon, whatever Phil Moon could do to benefit Phil Moon. Okay. Uh, And I didn't care who I walked on, who I stepped on, who I angered. Have you ever passed someone on the sidewalk and wondered what their story is? What makes them tick? What makes them who they are? I'm Nathan Wade, and I'm the host of Everyone Has a Story podcast. Each week, we interview an average person and explore the events that have impacted, shaped, and molded them into the individuals they are today. In this world of vicious social media rants and bitter partisan politics, we need to put the Facebook down, shut the Fox News or CNN off, and take our neighbor a plate of cookies. I'm trying to do my small part here to bring people a little closer together. So grab your favorite beverage, find a comfy chair, and join me in on the conversation. Everyone Has a Story releases a new episode every Monday morning. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also listen and subscribe at everyonehasastorypodcast.com. Remember, everyone is unique. Everyone has a story. What's yours?
Hey, Jen. Hey, Kim. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. What's going on? Nothing. Okay. How about you? Uh, you know. All right. So what story do you have for us? Okay. So here's the deal. We enjoy true crime. But the, the thing is, is uh, never do we mean harm, obviously. No. We don't want to glorify the murderer. So anyway, this case is... um. Kind even of, and even though we have a lot of fun, we always do remember the victims, and we hope that you remember the victims also. Right. The most important part of the story. Right. A lot of these cases, the parents, the family members are still alive, right. and I would hate to ever offend them or upset them or, you know, cause harm. Right. Um, well, and you have to remember, too, that even though it's a fun case for us to listen to, it's somebody's family history. It is not a case. It is real life for them. It's horrible. It's horrifying. Horrible. It changes I, everything. It does. So anyway, this is this is one of those cases. This is a case that I heard about um, probably in the 90s. Uh, John Douglas had written a book, which Mind we Hunter. talked about mm-hmm. before. And in there, he featured this case. And it's always stuck with me because it's, it's just so horrifying. It takes evil just to a new level. Right. It's, it's oof, unbelievable. So anyway, I'm, okay. You ready to get started? I'm ready to get started. May 31st, 1985, pretty blonde Sharon, known as Sherry, Faye Smith, 17, of Lexington, South Carolina, had gone to a pool party with her boyfriend and a few of her school chums. Now, Sherry and her classmates were getting ready for all the exciting things that happen as a senior in high school. Ooh, the, Graduation, finally being out of high school, kind of becoming... You know, Remember, that was so much fun. Becoming an adult. And you, is. and you just. King of the school. King of the school. Everything was going your way. You, you had a future ahead, ahead of you. you. Yep. So and then cool. you realize being mm. an adult sucks. I yeah. tell them that all the time. They I know. Listen. Those bills. Who knew that you had to pay for electricity? <laughs> Whatever. So on her way home, she stopped at the mailbox at the end of the driveway. The house she lived in with her parents and younger sister and her brother all sat in a dense bit of forest and was located about 200 yards from the road. Now, it was a nice home located in a quiet community. Her father, Robert Smith, was a pastor. Lead singer of The Cure, right? And a pastor. Oh. Not the same guy. Not the same guy. And on this Friday afternoon, he was working from home. He looked up from his work and saw Sherry's car stopped at the mailbox. Now, it was in the next few moments that life, as the Smiths knew, would be forever changed. It only takes one second, doesn't it? it this is always. Like, we always talk about how like the planets align, and it's like you blink, and it's bam, bam. Like, it, it happens. It's yeah, crazy. This is a this is a... blink of an eye. When moments passed, and Sherry's father still did not hear the front door open and close with the usual rustle of his teenage daughter coming home, he again looked up and outside. He could see the car still parked near the mailbox, so he got up and he went outside to check on her. Now, Sherry was a diabetic, and he thought maybe, you know, she had become disoriented. Oh, yeah. Like lack of, needed an insulin shot and had a, yeah. So he approached the car, and it was still parked at the mailbox, like I said, Mm -hmm. and he could see the driver's door open wide, and the engine was still running. Sherry was not there. So he glanced around looking to see if he could locate her anywhere around. She was gone. She had simply vanished. I was going to say, did he not hear anything? It was no totally silent. 200 yards is kind of far away. But exactly. But still, if you could still hear, like, I guess she didn't scream. Well, there's a reason. I'm okay. Like, we'll get to that later. All right. I'm sorry. No, so you usually jump ahead. It's okay. I'm used well, to so it. do you. It's like tennis. I just you toss finish it right my back sentence. To you. I don't even like you. Don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway. 
He began yelling for her, and there was no response. Her father knew something was not right, and she was a good kid and would never just leave. So he started to panic. He could feel something was wrong, right. as I think most parents do. You oh, kind yeah, of your heart sense. drops. Yeah. So Mr. Smith immediately called for help, and soon the assistant deputy sheriff arrived to the Smith residence. At first, the police thought maybe Sherry had run away, as some teens do, but her father was adamant that Sherry was not the type to just run away. So they set up a command post and started searching for the missing teen early on. They were searching the area until dark, but nothing was found. The search continued for days, with hundreds of locals coming out to help look for Sherry Smith. A few police were always on the inside of the Smith home, thinking that maybe, perhaps, someone would call and demand a ransom. The police had attempted to install a wiretap on the family's phone, but they were unable to due to tech issues. Wow. Hmm. You would think that, I guess it would probably have something to do with the phone and not with this was a an different, incompetent. Yeah, this was a different. Thing. Well, we had a tap on my phone when we were growing up because we kept, when I was growing up, because we kept getting obscene phone calls. So my stepfather tapped our phone. Ew. So, Who was but it? he was pretty smart. I don't know. We could never figure out the number. It was always. That's creepy. Yeah. So three days had come and gone with little to no sleep for the Smith family. Robert, or Bob, and Hilda Smith, as well as Sherry's older sister Dawn and younger brother Robert, were all gathered in their parents' bedroom on the night of June yeah. 3rd, when at 2.30 a.m., a phone call came in and startled the family awake. Now, this call was about to offer the first clue about Sherry's whereabouts. The police were there, and although the call was not tapped, police could hear the phone call. A man's voice came on the line. He provided some details about Sherry, such as the day she disappeared, the location, which was the mailbox, and he described her clothing in detail. Mm. The killer also stated that they'd get a letter from her soon. Then he hung up. Oh, Lord. Could you imagine? No, that's... Like, you're that close. He's on the phone, and you're that close. And Oh, horrible. No wonder I... Mm. Yeah, as a parent, I would totally want my kids sleeping in the same room with me after that. I don't think I'd ever let them not sleep with me anymore. Seriously. Protection. Yeah, I... When they get married, the wife has to and come can over and they're all in bed. And can you imagine the dad? Like, seriously. He saw him. And it was just like that. All right. As soon as the call came in, police contacted the Lexington postmaster and asked that he meet the police at the post office as the police wanted to intercept the letter. Police were able to locate the letter and brought it back to the family to have the family identify the handwriting and make sure it was Sherry's. Composed in Sherry's handwriting, the letter was written on two pieces of yellow legal paper, and it was titled Last Will and Testament. Oh, no. The letter was dated 6-1-85, and it was marked that it was 3-10 a.m., meaning that Ugh. she had been gone at this time for about 12 hours. No child should written. have to do that. So Jen and I had debated if we should read Sherry's last will and testament. And ultimately we decided it was important because it was, you know, it helped us to get to know Sherry and that she was a really, really sweet kid. It helped to know the family dynamic and all the good parts. Yeah. And that they, they were a tight knit family by any means. We do not mean to offend anybody by reading this. And if it, if it does offend, let us know, we'll take it down or we'll re-edit the show. Um, Jen's going to read you the last will and testament. So it starts. I love y'all. I love you, Mommy, Daddy, Robert, Dawn, and Richard, and everyone else, and all the other friends and relatives. I'll be with my father now, so please, please don't worry. Just remember my witty personality and great special times we all shared together. Please don't ever let this ruin your lives. Just keep living one day at a time for Jesus. Some good will come out of this. My thoughts will always be and in you, 
And then in parentheses, she wrote, casket closed. I love you all so damn much. Sorry, Dad, I had to cuss for once. Jesus, forgive me. Richard, sweetie, I really did and always will love you and treasure our special moments. I ask one thing, though. Accept Jesus as your personal Savior. My family has been the greatest influence on my life. Sorry about the cruise money. Someday, please go in my place. I'm sorry if I ever disappointed you in any way. I only wanted to make you proud of me because I have always been proud of my family. Mom, Dad, Robert, and Dawn, there's so much I want to say that I should have said before now. I love you. I know y'all love me and will miss me very much, but if y'all stick together like we always did, y'all can do it. Please do not become hard or upset. Everything works out for the good for those that love the Lord. All my love, always. I love y'all with all my heart. Sharon, Sherry Smith. P.S. Nana, I love you so much. I kind of always felt like your favorite. You were mine. I love you a lot. That's heartbreaking. Terrible. I got chills reading that. So the family was elated when they received this because it proved that to them that Sherry was alive. It was in her handwriting and it was, in fact, her words. They were more hopeful now that Sherry would be coming back to them. As forensic scientists, they went to work on the letter, searching for fingerprints and clues. The police put a recording device on the phone to intercept any future calls from Sherry's kidnapper. As they had hoped, just 12 hours from the last phone call, another call arrived. Uh. Dawn answered the phone, and the caller asked to speak to her mom. Have you received a mail today? Uh, yes, I have. Do you believe me now? Well, I'm not really sure I believe you because I haven't had any word from Sherry. And I need to know that Sherry is well. You'll know in two or three days. Why two or three days? Call the search This time the trace worked and the call was recorded. Authorities traced the call to a payphone seven miles from the Smith home. Police move in, but he was gone. No fingerprints, but the calls continued. Oh, Lord. He is one evil, evil He's person. sadistic. He likes, this is the his favorite part about it, it is really taunting is. the family. Five hours after the last call, the phone rings. Mrs. Smith answers the call. I want to tell you one thing. Sherry is now part of me. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, those are one now. Again, authorities trace the call to a different payphone. This one's eight miles away. But once again, there's no evidence. Oh, he man. got away. A call comes in yet again. All the calls were coming from different payphones, and the police just couldn't pinpoint where he was at when these calls were coming in. Nor could they get any fingerprints or other evidence. Mm. Which is weird. Yes. He, he was smart. Mm. He knew what he was doing. I won't say smart. but I, Well, I wonder if he had done this before then. Hmm. Glad you bring that up, Jen. Yeah. Talk about that later. It's almost like I know this case. It, it is almost like you know this case. 14 hours after the last call, phone rings again. Again, it's traced. Hello? Personal care fleet. Take Highway 378 West. Get traffic circle. Take Prosperity exit. Go one and a half miles. Turn right at sign. Moose Lodge number 103. Go one quarter mile. Turn left at White Frame Building. Backyard, six feet beyond, we're waiting. God chose us. Authorities.
Grace head out as the Smith family stays behind waiting for good news and hoping she will be coming home. Mm. As they arrive on scene, it doesn't take too long before they see Sherry Smith's lifeless body, just where the kidnapper said it would be. Now, remember, this is in the South and it's June, so the body was already decomposing quickly. Oh. The coroner had determined that Sherry had been dead two to three days. Oh. Now, if you do the math. He's mm-hmm. calling, insisting she's still alive. While she's, while, while he she had is, killed her. Is yeah. gone. Oh. Now, what the coroner was unable to tell was the exact cause of death and whether or not Sherry had been sexually assaulted. So, Jen, I think the cruelest part of all this is that this asshat keeps calling the family and he's taunting them. All the while, Sherry was dead. She was gone. Uh, he gave them hope, you know. That, it, it, that's the worst. That, that is to give just... somebody hope and then pull it away. No. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Eight days after Sherry's abduction, she is laid to rest in the Lexington Memorial Cemetery. Hundreds of people come out to pay their respects, you know, because we watch all the tr- crime shows. That made me wonder if police were sitting there, like, cruising the crowd, seeing right. if he was there. Well, do you remember at CrimeCon, the last CrimeCon 18, with Billy Jensen and Paul Holes? It was right after he was caught, and they had made a comment that it was the first time that they were ever in a group of people that they didn't feel like they had to take pictures of the crowd because they always thought that the GSK would be in that crowd. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that, that makes me wonder, too. And then also, as a family member, wouldn't you be looking at your friends and saying, did you do it? Did you harm my, my child? Right. You know, that all that stuff. It wouldn't be long before the killer would call upon them once again. As the family returns home from putting their 17-year-old daughter and sister to rest just mm. eight days after her abduction and murder, the phone rings. He is something else. Lord. This time, his twisted, warped mind stepped it up a notch. Dawn, that's her sister, answers the phone. On the other end of the line, the operator states, this is a collect call from Sherry. Will you pay oh, for the call? no. He's got some balls. I'm telling you. Hello? I have a collect call from Dawn. from Sherry. Will you pay for the call? From who? Sherry. Yes. Dawn, like the break of day. What? Like the break of day. Okay, well, I'll catch y'all guard. Well, yeah, because they said it was from Sherry. No, I said, uh, concerned here. Everybody's screwed up here. Excuse my friend. Okay, I'll, uh, listen carefully. Okay. Don, I'm, I'm really afraid now and everything. Uh, can you handle this? I'll tell you how she does. Yes. Yeah. I took duct tape and wrapped it all the way around her head and she suffocated her. I don't know why. I just feel that the best thing for you to do is give yourself up now. Don, God bless you, he called no. basically and tells the sister yeah. how he killed her. I mean, that, and you know that this is what he enjoys. Oh, that's what killing he's getting only, off on. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's only part of it. The killing part is just the uh, appetizer. Yep. Unbelievable. Police traced the call to a payphone, but again, he was gone. Now, after all these phone calls. I just want to say for all those young listeners, a payphone used to be around before cell phones were uh Popular, yeah, I should say, Correct. and you would actually have to go put money in, like maybe a ten quarter, cents quarter, something, and then you would 
And it'd be like a little booth with a little glass door right. and the light would pop on when you shut the right. door. Kind of like if you're a Doctor Who fan, the TARDIS. Yes, it's the it's TARDIS. kind of like a... Yes, with a phone. Exactly. But it, as small on the inside as it is on the outside. So there you go. It's true. God bless David Tennant. Doctor number 10 forever. Police traced the call to a payphone, but yet again, he was gone. After these phone calls, the killer then went silent and authorities were wondering if maybe he killed himself. Sadly, uh, we couldn't be he that was lucky. still alive. Two weeks to the day that Sherry was kidnapped, nine-year-old Deborah May Helmick was kidnapped from Richland County, a county that was just one away from Lexington, which is where Sherry lived. Right. The Helmicks had just moved in the residence oh, and had only been there about nine. two weeks. Deborah was outside playing with her little brother as her father was inside the home. He was getting ready to go to work. A man pulls up, exits the car, and grabs little Deborah. The neighbor across the street witnessed it and immediately ran outside to Yay. get the father and chase the assailant. Hero. But just like Sherry, Deborah was gone. See, always see something, say something. The neighbor was able to give a very detailed description of the man that took Deborah. Both departments were aware of the two crimes that took place, but they weren't sure yet if they were related or not. So eight days after Deborah's abduction, police are still watching and listening in on the Smith telephone, receive a call. Dawn answered the call, but this call was different than the other ones. He began threatening Dawn. Okay, he killed this little baby girl, or I'm sorry, he this man abducted this little baby girl, Debbie. Correct. But called the Smith's house. Again. To let them know about Debbie? Mm-hmm. Well, he oh, does. he's sick. He says to Dawn, God wants you to join Sherry Faye. It's just a matter of time. This month, next month, this year, next he, year. He's threatening Dawn? You can't be protected all the time. Soon he changed the topic from Dawn to little Deborah. He says, Have you heard about Deborah Faye Hamburg? Uh, no. The 10-year-old Richland County? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, listen carefully. Have you heard about Deborah May, H-E-L-M-I-C-K? He spells her last name. Because like, he right? can't pronounce it? No, is that what I it is? He, no, I, he just wants to take credit for this, I'm sure. So Dawn says Richland County, and he says, okay, listen carefully. Turn right, last dirt road before you come to stop sign at Two Notch Road. Go through chain and no trespassing sign. Go 50 yards after the left. Just like Sherry, he goes and provides the address of where they can find little brother's um. body. He then hangs up. Now, he's also calling the residents of the Helmicks to inform them of where the body of their daughter could be located as well. So he actually, he had an affinity for the Smiths, I guess. Yeah, there's something. I'm figuring that since John Douglas did this case, they caught the guy. So, um, I'm glad you brought that up, Jen. Yeah. Are, are you not? Yeah, well, you, <laughs> <laughs> not happy I brought it up? I'm going to punch you. Oh, okay. okay. So police follow his instructions and proceed to the location where the body of Deborah May Helmick is located. Her body, just like Sherry's, had been in the woods a long time. Oh. It seems he killed her around the same day he abducted her. Again, the coroner could not tell if she had been sexually assaulted, but this time they could tell that she had been strangled and that the two cases were, in fact, connected. The same. Did he have her write a last will and testament? No. She's nine, though. So okay. That, yeah. The same man that kidnapped and killed Sherry was responsible for the kidnapping and killing of Deborah Helmick. 
Knowing that time was of the essence before he could strike again, and with little clues, the police take another look at that last will and testament that Sherry wrote to her family. So the things police can do, really, it really does amaze me. Let me just get that oh, out. Oh, yeah, right no, now, I right? know. So the police take the document, and they use something called an ESDA. It's an electrostatic detection apparatus. This device is used to detect and identify impressions yep. indented into the paper. For instance, if I wrote you a hate letter, Jen, mm-hmm. but I had written directions to my house on the paper before the hate letter that right. I sent you that could mm-hmm. may or may not be arriving in your mail any day now, mm-hmm. the address could be indented on the hate note, thereby giving clues that the person had no idea that they had left behind. Right. I saw this on the Bloodhound Gang on PBS, where they didn't use that technique, but they actually took a graphite number two lead pencil and they lightly went across the page, mm-hmm. and you could tell the indentation. Well, thank you, Bloodhound Gang and Jennifer, for that enlightening. Whenever there's trouble, we're there on the double with the Bloodhound Gang. And by using the ESDA on the paper that Sherry had wrote her last will and testament on, police were able to identify a phone number. However, one number was not raised up enough to detect. Uh. So police use the good old figure out what number it oh, is. Good for them. By calling it with every single number. Right. Right. But thank God it was only one number. So one number worked and it was a number from Alabama, which is, you know, not that far away. Relatively close. Yeah. So the man who answered the phone identified himself as David Shepard and his father was Ellis Shepard. Now, the Shepherds were located about 30 minutes from Sherry's residence. That's it. 30 minutes. Okay. Wow. And about an hour from Deborah's residence. It was the only number that the police tried that was, in fact, close to the kidnapping cases. Investigators rush to the Shepherd's home and they take Ellis into the station. At the station, Ellis tells authorities that he works as a general contractor, electrician, and that he and his wife had been traveling out of the area during the times these crimes right. were committed. So the travel dates... Um, were, in fact, he was cleared for that because of that. Right. So so story checked out, and it was verified he was out of town and had nothing to do with these heinous crimes. He was cleared by police, but before leaving the police station, they asked him to take a listen to one of the calls that the killer had made to the Smiths. Just by the off chance he might recognize right, the voice. Right. This literally gives me chills, too. I say that a lot, but it's true. So they play it. He immediately says, that is Larry Jean Bell. Oh, my. So he knew the guy. Was it like a dog walker? The police now have a name to go to the voice that has been terrorizing them for weeks. Larry Jean Bell was arrested one day after Deborah May Helmick's funeral. Let's let's hear about his background because it's, you know, I always am fascinated, too, about uh, what, where these people come from. And right. What, and what in his past made him be this sadistic... So Larry Jean Bell was born in Ralph, Alabama, and he had three sisters and one brother. The family reportedly moved around a lot, with Bell attending a local high school in Columbia, South Carolina, from 1965 to 1967. So he's younger than you, Jen. The Bell family moved to Mississippi, where Larry Jean Bell graduated high school and then took some training classes to become an electrician. He returned to Columbia, South Carolina, got married, and had one son. Oh. Now, Bell was strange, even as a child. Right, like you. He was known to kind of fall in these psychotic trances. Really? Yes. Teenage uh. years found him sexually abusing his female relatives. Oh, he's got to be fun at family parties. In the 1970s and early 80s, Bell spent time in jail for harassment, Good. attempted abduction, as well as making obscene phone calls to a 10-year-old girl. You're kidding me. 
Bell joined the Marines in 1970, but was discharged the same year due to a knee injury suffered when he accidentally shot himself. <laughs> Is accidentally in quotes. When cleaning his gun. He should have aimed a little higher. Well, I would, the following I, year, Honestly, I'm surprised he he got into the Marines because don't they have to take a psychological test to get in? Yes. Plus, I would think that they would go and check, find their background. Check yeah, but that's surprising. Talk to people. The following year, he worked as a prison guard at the Department of Corrections in Columbia for one month. Bell and his family moved to Rock Hill, South Carolina in 1972, and the couple divorced in 1976. Bell, now working as an electrician, see the connection? Mm-hmm. Worked for the Ellises and would house-sit for them when they went out of town. In fact, Mr. Ellis recalled having written the number down on Bell's yellow pad before... Oh. Their last excursion. Nice. So the police devise a plan with the help of Mr. Ellis. Ellis calls Larry Jean Bell and tells him that he needs to meet Ellis the following morning, very early. The police then block the only exit in and out from that location and take him into custody. Good. The police then go to the shepherd's home and process it, looking for some evidence. Now, it's here that they locate a long strand of hair that is linked back to Sherry Smith, but sadly no evidence was found linking Deborah Helmick, which Mm. proves that Sherry was in that house. Right. Terrible. However, on the kitchen counter, there was a yellow legal pad. Hmm. It was the same one that Sherry Faye Smith wrote her last will and testament on. Because even with the naked eye, you could see the indentions. Of that right. letter on the paper. As is used by many police, when Bell entered the interrogation room, he was welcomed by smiling pictures of Sherry and Deborah, as well as their graphic crime scene photos. Oh. A tactic used to shock the perpetrator and kind of throw him off his game. Yeah, that was in the Mindhunter thing, too. Yeah, Remember that, they did yep, that? I love that. The TV, the Netflix Mindhunter. One of the cases, not to get it, one of my favorite stories was um, similar to this, that uh, it was a murder and he murdered people with a rock and he used it and right. bashed in their head. And when they brought this guy in, they had that exact rock on the desk. Nobody referred to it. Nobody referenced it. And they were like, it was just, it was, you could see his eyes just kept darting to the rock and the police never once. Right. And he cracked. He couldn't handle it. <laughs> Investigators tell him to look at those pictures and admit to what he has done. He then states, quote, I'll tell you. That's not the Larry Jean Bell I know, end quote. Oh, Lord. It's probably not. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess this is when, you know, he's going to start faking to be insane. Right. Right. So well, police... it doesn't sound like he really has to fake too much, but. Yeah, but there's insane and then there's and then insane. There's... Yeah. Police yeah. charged him on June 27th, 1985 with the kidnappings and murder of Sherry Faye Smith and Deborah May Helmick. Now, after Bell was arrested, officers brought in Hilda Smith and the older daughter, Dawn, to confront him, hoping it would elicit a spontaneous confession. Now, bravo to those two ladies. Maybe. Are you kidding me? For I, being strong oh, enough to do mm, it. Better, Especially, I mean, the mother's one thing, but Dawn, who has been threatened by this man. I reach over the and, mm, I don't, mm, better. Been threatened and talked to him on the phone. No, she totally heroes. Yeah. So we hear from Hilda. Hilda recalls, I prayed about going. Inside, I was screaming as hard as I could, trying to get the pain out, the pain of losing my daughter. And I said, God, I can't hate this man. There's no more room in my heart for more pain. And God took that hate away. Oh. End quote. She's a better person than I am. Way better person than mm. me. When Hilda met Belle at the jail, she had forgiven him to his face. Now, Sherry's dad, Bob. Like she said, I forgive you, Larry Jean Bell. That kind of stuff? Yeah. She wow. forgave him to his face. So Sherry's father, Bob, 
was amazed at his wife's strength I, and mercy. I think but Bob, is. it took another seven months to reach his own point of forgiveness. Now, these this is a very religious family and right. forgiveness and bravo right. to them. I don't, it would take me a lot longer than, I don't even know if I could forgive. So at the urging of a friend, Bob went behind a secluded barn and just screamed, just blasted mm-hmm. out. He was really, really mad. He wanted to get it all out. And he started screaming and yelling at God. And you know what? It it, it helped him. Which right. I, I totally makes sense for me. Totally. It was such a relief to do that physical thing. This is what he said. It was such a relief to do that physical thing and get all those emotions out. So once he let them out, he was able to actually let them go. Bob forgave Belle as well. He's, Bob said, I was supposed to take care of my children, mm-hmm. and in my mind, I had failed. Right. Maybe I needed to forgive myself before I could forgive him. It happened almost at the same time. Right. That guilt has to be... It's horrendous, and it's not the parent's fault. But it's I, not. I know as a parent, you would do but that. But honestly, nobody steal this because this is my uh, business idea. would be a, great to have a place where you can go and, like, bust dishes to get, like, pay by... Like do they? Uh-huh. I'll Damn it, it, they stole you. it. They did. They stole it from you. You did, like, beat stuff up. Like, you get... They were psychic bats. and they stole it. Yeah, they did. Damn it. So police put the details of the case together, and they get it ready to head to tra- trial. So now here we're going to hear how, how little Sh- Sherry was simply in the wrong place at the wrong right. time. On that fateful May day, when Bell took her, Bell was dropping off his mother for a beauty appointment. He happened to look over, and he saw a few girls walking. It was Sherry in a swimsuit with their friends. Sherry separated from her friends got into her car to head home. Bell followed her. Now, mm. this is where you said that, like, there would be noise and stuff. Right. Here's the thing. When Sherry got out to check the mail, he pulled up right behind her, pulled a gun on her, oh. and told her to get in the car. Bell then took her to Shepard's home, the one where he was watching, and he forced her to write that note. It was 3.10 a.m. And at 4.46 a.m., Bell states that is when they became one soul. Uh, so that's when he... He killed her. Now, did he ever... Well, never mind. I'll wait till you finish. Two weeks later, he took Deborah. So as we talked about, Jen, for Belle, the murders were only part of it. You know, what he really enjoyed, what what I think he liked the most was torture and tormenting the ones left behind, calling them, giving them details, because he really killed both those girls pretty much right after he took them, you know? Right. Belle was playing God. He was deciding when, where, how. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. So here's another little interesting tidbit, Jen. Mm -hmm. Belle was also a suspect in the 1984 disappearance of Sandy Elaine Cornette from Charlotte, North Carolina. Cornette was a a girlfriend of one of Belle's co-workers. He was also a suspect in the disappearance of Denise Newsom Porch, who was last seen in July 1975. Uh, She lived in an apartment complex close to where Belle lived. Now, both women disappeared in Charlotte, North Carolina, and are still today classified as missing but presumed dead wow and there was just no evidence to connect him to the case no but i mean come on right right at his 1986 trial bell gave a solid performance as a crazy man as i alluded to earlier Mm -hmm. his testimony marked by delusions and bizarre outbursts quote mona lisa is a man and silence is golden my friend oh lord Thank goodness the jury saw through all that and found him guilty. He was sentenced to death and given a choice of how he'd like to be sent off into the next world. This, oh, this ticked me off. Woo! He chose the electric chair because you know what? He said as a former electrician, he wanted the electric chair over death by lethal injection so he could be with his victims sooner because that's quicker. Uh, Lethal injection takes a little bit longer. 
that ticked me off. And just well, on purpose, I'd be like, absolutely not, you legal injection. That was his last F you to the family. I know. I would not allow that. Sam screamed. I'm sorry. It's I um, ticks me off. I don't even know what would be better. With firing squad and everybody just No, that'd be misses. quick, too. No, no, but you just kind of miss. You kind of play around and... Oh, oops. Yeah. Oops, sorry I got your kneecaps. Larry Jean Bell, 47, was pronounced dead at 1.12 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on that Friday. Less than two hours after the Supreme Court denied his 11-hour appeal, the execution was witnessed by Sherry Smith's uncle, Rick Hartlett, and Deborah Helmick's father, Donnie. So Rick said, we are relieved that the sentence has been carried out, but just because it has been carried out, don't forget Sherry or Deborah. I didn't know what to expect witnessing the execution, but this is closure as far as not having to hear Larry Jean Bell's name ever again. Our family has forgiven him. Now, Donnie Helmick, that's Deborah's dad, had mm-hmm. some other feelings. No forgiveness on his part. He said shortly before the execution, I really have no feeling about this. Now, maybe I can get a rest. Kill the son of a bitch. Wow. Wow. I Could you ever go to an execution? I totally could. I In fact, don't... I want to. You you have to apply to go. And I just, I don't, I totally could. I don't know if I could. I really, I mean, I. Would you have nightmares? Is that what you think? No, I think I just couldn't watch another human die. I don't care who it is. I, I don't, I don't know. I I don't know. It w- I I have a lot of empathy f- for everything. I do too. But and knowing if I they got to that point to where they're being put to death, they obviously have done something heinous. And I well, I agree. Think I'd be just fine. But I don't think I could watch it. I think I. I mean, I support the death penalty. When you can go online and watch a real execution, have you seen? Well, one I've seen the execution okay. videos. I like guess that doesn't seem real, though. It right? doesn't seem real because yeah. it's TV, and I've been desensitized. But to actually be somewhere where I, I don't think I could do it. I really don't. Even the most heinous person, I don't think I could watch. I could. It would bother me. I don't think it'd bother me. I think no. I'd be just fine. Yeah. Boy, that sounds terrible. Well, but it's because you have a cold, black, dead heart. I do. Yeah. That's true. That's I not just couldn't. Yet. I think I, I just couldn't do it. It, it would. Hmm. I don't know. I think I could. But I guess things would change too if it, somebody took my child away from me. Yeah. At that. Well. My, okay. Now let me let me this caveat here. If if it was if there was a personal connection to me, I think it would be different. Like I'm I'm just thinking about going as a guest because, like I said, in the state of Missouri, you can apply to go witness an execution. Right. As a witness. So I, I can I get a witness? I mean. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think that would be I think if it was somebody from my family, I probably could, although it would. You mean if they harm harmed me? somebody in your family? Right. If somebody harmed somebody in my family. And they got the death penalty. I believe I could do it, but I also believe that it would totally mess my brain up more than it already is. Hmm. I don't think I could live with it. I mean, I when we were young, and you remember this, um, one of the girls that was in our class committed suicide. And we went to her funeral. Mm-hmm. And that funeral still bothers me today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something totally different, but just that funeral bothers me. I don't know if I could take an execution of somebody mm, okay I don't you know, know what i'm saying i totally understand what you're saying but you got to remember if they're there they're there for a reason no i know but, and but that goes back to like i'm not even sure if i believe in the death penalty either. right i know but there's so many people that's been exonerated right that have been on death row 
that unless you get an absolute confession and everything, I well, that's a totally another day subject. So, all right, Jen, that, that's all I got. That's a case that has bothered me. That's an amazing me. It's horrible. case. Um, the horrible. strength of the family. Those family members are incredible. Bless. Thank God they that. have their faith in God that got them through Getting with through. it. Yep. And those poor babies and Sherry that that last will and testament that she wrote. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being seventeen? No. And writing something that was I can't imagine writing that, it. I can't imagine as a parent reading that. That's your baby. But it, it was almost she was more worried about her family going on after her than she was about her fate, her own fate. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. And that's no, what, I know. That's and that's she, like what it's, a sweetheart. I mean, what God a nice bless girl. Her. All right, take us out. All right. right. Well, we would love it if everybody could like and review us on iTunes or five stars, five, five stars, and a rating. All righty. They don't do that anymore. Um, Anyway, what else? Oh, we are at. Where are we, Camille? Oh, Jesus. We have a Facebook site. We're at Our True Crime Podcast. Okay, here's the deal. You can contact us anytime on Twitter at Our True Crime Pod. I usually control the account. Me, Jen. Camille is at OTCP-Cam if you want to talk to her, but I don't know why you would want to. But anyway. OTCP with Cam? I don't even know. I don't know. It's something like that. It's not even important. Don't even bother. But um, please contact me at our true crime pod on Twitter. I love to talk to everybody. She really does. It's I really do. I do. I do. I love it's people. Annoying. I like to make friends. You can contact us there. Give us a shout out there. We'll give you back a shout out. You can find us www.ourtruecrimepodcast.com. It's our blog. We try to keep it up to date, but we're usually not that great with it. But we try. Where else, Camille? You make can sure you, you can, can email us, us. Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Podbean, anywhere where you listen to your favorite pods. As right. long as we are number one at the top. And if there's any, you know, if you've got a problem with us or, or anything. Jennifer annoys you like she annoys me. Email me, and then I'll have the joy of telling her. Write us an email at ourtruecrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And that's it. That's all we got. So remember, lock your doors. And keep passing by those open windows. Uh, Bye-bye. Love you. It's going to be Cam's birthday. Her birthday is... No, it was. No. (laughs) I'm going to be 29 and a half. Plus 80. You know, we can whenever it is. We can use part for the show and part for my facelift. Yeah, nobody wants to pay for that. It's too much money. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just trying to I don't want people to really think that yeah, they're no. gonna pay for your facelift. No. Because they're gonna pay for my tummy tuck. But yeah. They don't need to know that. They don't need you. to know that. When moments passed and Sherry's father you wanna read that again? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So her father, Robert Smith Say was, it again, yeah. What? Say it again. I missed. I didn't know where you're going to start at. Her father, Robert Smith, was a. Oh, I guess think they think they, they, they was hope, okay because you never think the worst. We keep talking too much, but that's okay. Now we got to make the episodes longer. Remember, this is a long one. <clears throat> so that uh, so they set up a command post and started start searching. I whispered, "Start again." <clears throat> Hilda, Hilda, right? God damn it! <laughs> I just looked it up. Hold on, it's going to be still on here because I just looked it up. Hold on, nope, it's not. Oh, yeah, it is. Hold on. Hilda. Hilda. Skipping for three hours. And then I'm going to play the actual call, right? Okay. Yeah. Creepy fuck.
God, that letter, Camille. Really. I know. I told you that's why that. That's, that's why, why it's important. <laughs> anyway, five hours. I'm trying to do better about breathing, and because I was, right. I'm trying because <clears throat> still monitor. Eight days after eight days after Deborah's abduction, police who are still monitor monitoring. I can't talk. Monitoring. Sorry. Still watching the phone. Eight days after Deborah's abduction, police who are still listening in on the Smith telephone. They, um, I'm sorry, I just read that today's National Drink Beer Day, and they have $2 off draft beer and Bavarian, Bavarian pretzels at Pasta House. <laughs> Happy hours, 2 to 6. Do they have? Relax on the patio. Why do they have pretzels there? Italian.